it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks. Well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Tonight, we have episode 182. Andrew and I are going to read three great listener questions, and we'll go ahead and do our usual good little give and take. So I'll go ahead and read the first question. We have, oh, by the way, uh, Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, this will be coming out around the beginning of the new year. So I hope everybody had great holidays and enjoyed the new year. And I think we all will say a hallelujah that it's 2021 and that 2020 is behind us. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully everything will go great this year. Amen. <laughs> all right. So let's go ahead and read the first question. So I have, uh, hey, Andrew, uh, what are the ups and downs of buying an OTC stock? All right. So OTC stock, that stands for over-the-counter stock. If you listened to our episode last week with Timothy Sykes, we talked about penny stocks. And so a lot of OTC stocks can be penny stocks. They might... I'm not sure if all OTC stocks are penny stocks, but a lot of OTC stocks can be penny stocks, but not every penny stock is an OTC stock. So what's a penny stock and what's an OTC stock? So a penny stock is any stock that's trading at $5 or less. And so you'll see that on the ticker, on a, on a financial website, wherever it is, and that's how you define it as a penny stock. O- OTC is something where you actually can't trade it like you normally would through Ally or through Fidelity, where you can just click and buy shares or click and sell shares. You actually have to get on the phone and go through a whole process. And so for one, it's 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 very inconvenient to buy an over-the-counter stock, OTC. Secondly, it is not regulated hardly at all. There, there's, there's usually very little transparency 
and the regular SEC regulations that you would have for a stock if it was listed on the NYSE, New York Stock Exchange, or the NASDAQ. Those stocks that are listed on there have regulations by the SEC, so they need to present financial statements. They need to get those statements audited by professional accountants. The OTC stocks don't necessarily have those same regulations, restrictions, or requirements. And so it can be problematic for you as the investor because the management of those stocks can do whatever they want. And you don't have a lot of recourse on making sure that management is at least making an attempt to present correct information to you. And there's just really little oversight. And so you don't have a lot of protection in that sense. Also, because it's over the counter, there's not going to be a lot of liquidity in the stock. So for example, if you're the trade Apple or Tesla um, or Google or something like that, it would be very easy for you to log into Fidelity or Ally and put buy or put sell. And you'll basically immediately have somebody on the other side to either sell your share from you sell you a share or buy a share from you. In the case of stocks where there aren't a lot of people trading them, you could be trying to sell a stock and you just have no buyers whatsoever on the other side. And so that can be problematic if you're trying to get in at a fair price or get out at all. And so finally, you know, Tim Timothy from the interview last week made a really great point where he mentioned how a lot of penny stocks don't become great companies. A lot of the great companies that you see today, they already started as great companies. They IPO'd as great companies. And so it's very rare for something like a penny stock to become something that you'll eventually see in the S&P 500. And to become from an OTC stock to something in the S&P 500, I have never heard of that personally. And I don't see it as being... A very common thing that happens. So obviously, being somebody like me with my values, investing for the very long term, wanting these businesses to be safe, reliable, and you know, growing decently over time, the OTC market is just never, never in my sphere whatsoever. And so, you know, I guess I didn't really. He, he asked for the ups and the downs. I didn't really present any ups. But I guess you could say that similar to a penny stock, there can be a lot of benefit if the stock pops. And so a lot of the factors that make it speculative and risky also can work to its upside because there can be huge swings and big fortunes made in very short periods of time that you won't see in, quote unquote, the regular stock market, or the S&P 500. So, you know, you, you kind of have to realize that there's both sides of it. So you can, I'm sure you can make a big sum very quickly. The question behind whether that's in line with what you're trying to do and how possible it is to do that repeatedly, consistently, those are all different questions. But hopefully that presents the basics behind an OTC stock. It does to me. And it, I learned something listening to you talk about it. I frankly didn't know a lot about the OTC stock because like you said, it's really not an area I play in at all. And so it's just one of those things where it's out of sight, out of mind. And I haven't 
honestly paid much attention to it. But I guess one thing that I do think about that after talking to Timothy last week would be that if you're going to go into this type of field and look at investing in some of these kinds of companies, then you're going to want to do your research. You're going to want to do some homework and figure out what it is, is the advantage and disadvantage of these particular companies. Because as, as he was mentioning last week, if you're not, you're just gambling. Uh, you're just basically going to Las Vegas and putting some money down and hoping it goes up or down. And I guess that would be my advice, if you will, if you're going to look at something like this would be to at least do some homework and figure out if you already know, then, Hey, more power to you. But if you don't, then the, I would recommend you at least do a little bit of research before you start plugging away at something like that. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. Thanks. All right. So let's move on to the next question. So I have uh, hi guys. Thanks for everything you do with the podcast. My question is related to moving stocks from a taxable account to Roth IRA. I started investing in the USA in 2020. I'm Canadian, aren't they all? But I moved to California at the end of 2019 on a work visa. Before I knew that the Roth IRA was a good option for a non-citizen, I started investing in a taxable income earlier this year and had not really had to sell stocks until now. I just realized how much taxes are going to eat up profits quick even with long-term capital gain taxes. I am now contemplating selling all of my air quote newer stocks, three to five stocks that did not have much time to grow in my taxable account and opening a Roth IRA and buy those stocks again before the new year is up. What are your thoughts? Thanks for the question. This was from Nick, actually from the secret Facebook group we have for uh, VTI spreadsheet clients. So great to get the question and happy to pitch in a couple thoughts. I like the idea. So, you know, essentially having some money that was in a taxable account, moving it to a Roth IRA so that you can get the tax benefits of saving for retirement and utilizing that vehicle. And I also like the idea of selling the newer stocks, which maybe haven't gone up in value as much. And so you won't have to pay as many taxes on it as you would maybe something you bought two, three years ago. I don't see a problem with it. And I would say the only other thing I would add would be that in the first three, maybe four months of the year, I know for sure the first three, maybe the the maybe April too, you're able to contribute and kind of backdate it so it still applies for the last year. So if you're talking about January 2021, you can still make a contribution to your Roth IRA for 2020. Um, your broker should have that option for you when you put contribution to, to pick the tax year. And so they give you an extra three to four months to make a contribution in case you didn't have a chance to reach your maximum contribution in the year prior. So that's something to keep in mind too. If you just don't want to touch the money and maybe you'll you'll take some savings from the first couple months of the year, throw that into 2020 and then finish with 2021. Or, you know, you could do it all at once too. I know a lot of a lot of us like to chomp at the bit on getting money into the market right away and I totally get that. But those are kind of some of the options and some of the thoughts I had. I would agree with all that and I think it's a, a great idea for him to 
start putting the money away now and get everything lined up the way he wants it now. So it's not something he has to play with a few years down the road when maybe those other positions have gotten larger than he really wants to deal with the tax implications or even just losing the, the extra compounding that he, that he could lose from those companies. So uh, if those are still great investments now as they were then, then I, I, I don't see any, I think it's a great idea. And he also mentioned that I didn't, that I didn't read that he wanted a dollar cost average, another $500 a month into the account. And when he has excess, put it in a taxable account. And I, I think that's all, that sounds awesome. He's, he's, he's definitely on the right path. So I, I think Nick's doing a, a great job with that. As a finance nerd, you would assume that I have my money game all together. Well, shocker, I didn't until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving the product. They release updates every two weeks and allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening to Investing for Beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's Talking Money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have. I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution, where she talks about her simple, easy one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
So let's go to the last set of questions. This one says, Greetings, Andrew. I very much appreciate your email newsletters, book, and podcast. Like you and Dave, I am also a big baseball fan and also a big fan of statistics in baseball, also called sabermetrics as well as fancy baseball. One of the things that helped me a great deal was absorbing as much information as I could from people who study baseball for a living. I eventually was able to identify my favorite analysts and then take their interpretations and use them to build my own in selecting and finding players. In this way, I am approaching finance and investing very similarly. I am like a baby suckling for the first time, trying to get as much information as I can. The biggest thing I'm trying to work on right now so that I can calculate price to earnings, price to book from raw data is how to find the required information in the 10K. Some places also differ from how to calculate the PE. Some say it's simply price to earnings and others say it is price divided by earnings per share EPS. And I've also seen other formulas, but I'm ignoring those for now because I like your approach of focusing on the seven fundamental pieces of data. So maybe Dave, first on the the price earnings before we go further, can you answer and speak to this question first? Yeah, absolutely. So Let's see. Well, I guess the the price to earnings is it can be a, a, a tad bit confusing. So the way that I calculate it is I take the price of the company. So whatever the company is selling for. So let's say that it's selling for twenty dollars a share, and then I also look at the earnings per share, and I divide that by the price per share and that gives me the PE because it's the price over the earnings. So if the earnings per share is $1 and the price is $20, then I have a PE of 20. Now, if it's a challenge to figure out some of those 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 metrics, you can go into a lot of the a lot of the financial reports at the bottom of the income statement, for example, they will they will calculate the they will calculate the earnings per share for you. I frankly, I can't remember the last one I saw that did not do that. Uh, I was looking at a whole bunch of them today and they all list the earnings per share there for you. Uh, so if that's something that you can find, really all you have to do is go to sec.gov and look up any of the annual reports, which is a 10K or look at the quarterly reports, which is a 10Q, and they will list in there what their earnings per share is at the bottom of the income statement. It's right below the net earnings line. And if they do not do that, they will give you the earnings for the company, which you would simply divide by the shares available. So they'll have that right below the earnings line. So if they don't calculate it for you, then they give you the information so that you can do it for yourself. And it's just simple division. You just take the the net earnings that you see at the bottom is the the profit line, and you just divide that by the earnings. I'm sorry. You just divide that by the shares available, and that will give you the earnings per share. And then you would just simply divide that by the price that it's selling for in the market, which you can find in any website app on the phone, Yahoo Finance, you can even just go on CNN and they'll have prices there. So uh, the finding of the price of the company is quite simple. Uh, so that's, I guess that's my thought on that. What are your thoughts, Andrew? What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. 
You covered that good. Uh, let's move on to the last part of this question. He says, finally, in baseball, there are lots of websites that organize advanced metrics into spreadsheets. They often charge for the service, but it's a nominal fee relative to winning a title, which comes with a cash prize. Does anything like this exist for companies, even just for the raw numbers? I ask this because I also want to look chronologically at the last 10 years of companies to make sure they are solid investments. So yes, there is a website that Andrew and I have talked about several times, uh, quickfs.net. Uh, they provide all the information that you are looking for. So they have the ratios already calculated out. Uh, it, it, uh, so let me back up for a second. First of all, the website is free. Uh, so to get access to 20 years of data, they have everything for free. So you will be able to see all the annual reports for the last 10 years, as well as the trailing 12 months for the current year that you're, that you're looking at for the income statement, as well as the cash flow statement. Included in all that, they also have a, a sheet. So they break it up into four different parts, if you will. So they have the first page will just be a listing of a bunch of metrics that they have calculated for us. So they'll show things like the 10 year median of free cash flow or the 10 year gross margin median kind of thing. So you can kind of get a, a, an overview of the company. Then they also break it down by income statement. They also have a balance sheet and then they have a cash flow statement. And then the last page has a mixture of different ratios as well as metrics that they've already calculated for you. And everything is all laid out for you so that you can see historical trends, if you will. So if you want to look at the margins that the company has been operating at, for example, for the last 10 years, you can easily see the gross margin that the company has, has produced for the last 10 years. And so it's a, it's a nice, easy way to kind of see an overview of the performance over the last 10 years. And I think that would fit very nicely into what you're, what you're talking about here when you're trying to analyze the financial performance of, of the company. It also gives you enough data that you would be able to use your own calculations. So if you don't uh, feel comfortable with what their calculations are, you're not entirely sure how they're calculating what it is, then you have the ability to to look on there and see all the data for at least 10 years on there. Uh, you can pay extra to see 20 years data, uh, but I, I personally just do the 10 because that works well enough for me. So I that's to me the only one. I know Guru Focus is pretty great, but I believe they only offer free five years for free. And beyond that, I think you have to pay. I pay for QuickFS and it is just fantastic. I can I can upload everything, import it into my spreadsheet, manipulate it, and analyze it to my heart's content. And trust me, I do. And when you think about if if that's part of your approach and you're very data-driven like I am, then similar to the idea of paying a small fee to win a title, I, I love the idea of paying a small fee to, to win in the stock market. And so QuickFS, I really can't recommend that tool enough. It's fantastic if you want to use it for free. It's fantastic if you want to pay for a premium and, and be able to get access to those 20 years. And it's it's... I wish this thing was around when I first started because I, I I spent a lot of time having to dig through 10Ks and pull one up, find three years of data, input into a spreadsheet, 
pull another one up. I mean, it was it was brutal. Now I can't even I I it's it's amazing how easy it is now with with a website like that and very very nice tool to have and I think everybody should use it. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And the what Andrew was referring to with the data and the spreadsheets and everything, I've seen him do it. It's uh, it's impressive, folks. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I know that uh, sec.gov uh, allows you, they have a, a link in there that you can export uh, the data to Excel spreadsheets, which is nice. But as Andrew was saying, you still would have to look at anywhere from two to three different annual reports. And if you wanted to do it quarterly, then you're talking a lot of downloads to, to find the, the same level of data. So, uh, the quick FS is, is a really, really nice tool. And for me, one of the things that I really like about it is that it allows me to get a really good overview of how the company is performing. And you can see, especially right now, when we're looking at uh, 2020 to 2010, 2010 is kind of the year we were kind of coming off of a, a bad few years with the great financial crisis or the great recession, whichever you want to call it. And so you could kind of get a sense of maybe how a company had performed a little bit during that downtime. And it can give you an idea of, of maybe comparison of how it's doing today. And it also allows you to see, let's say that you've noticed that the company has done well over the last few years as far as revenue growth. You can go back and look over a longer period of time and see if that's something that's gradual or if it's something that's just kind of happened all at once or if it's more of a one-off like this is, these two years have been great and the other eight have been not so great. So th- those are all things that you could just kind of see in, in an overview you. And when you're screening for companies, especially, it's a great tool to use to help you try to narrow down some of your ideas. Let's say that you're looking at, you know, all, all the semiconductor companies out there and you really want to try to narrow in on which one you think is, has the best revenue growth, for example, it's really easy to skim through some of those companies and just kind of look at them as opposed to, you know, I love Seeking Alpha, but one of the drawbacks to them is you only have limited access to a, a few years unless you pay for their service. So uh, it doesn't provide you the same opportunity that QuickFS does. And, you know, we've talked in the past about how much we love to use Finviz. I've, which, if, if you're a new listener, Finviz is a free tool where you can screen stocks. So you can. You can say, I want a stock with a PE below 15 and a price to book below two. Show me a list of all of those. I I used to use Finviz a lot, I guess, back before when I was doing a lot more price-based ratio kind of value investing. And now that my approach has changed, I've found I'm using QuickFS way more and, and I hardly use Finviz now. And I think it's better to do exactly like you're saying, David. You really like get an instant download. Maybe not instant, right? Maybe maybe a couple seconds, but save some time for for the internet to to catch up for those couple seconds. We're not quite at five G yet, but right. <laughs> you, you get you get that almost instant download of the the picture of of how the the business is moving, and you can see when there's dips in the numbers. Um, or where there's jumps in the numbers and where they're doing good and where they're staying consistent. And that gives you way better snapshot than a random PE ratio would do or, or something like that. So yeah, I, 
I love it. I've been using it more and more and more, and I think it's it's essential. I would definitely agree with that. And one of the things that I like about it too, with the the idea of of looking at longer periods of time, one of the things that when I'm looking at analyzing a company, one of the things that I try to do is I try to look at numbers and I try to think of questions that I want to answer. So for example, if I'm looking at the revenue of a company and I notice that maybe in 2010 and 11, it was a little bit low, but 2012 through 2014, they they did great. They just jumped up and everything was great. And then it kind of flattened out after that. And those are questions that I want to have answers to because those are ideas that you want to get around your head, uh, get your head around to figure out what what drove that revenue growth o- over that period of time and why has the company not been able to sustain it? And was that a one-off event? Was there something that happened in the company that allowed them to do that? Was there something in the economy that allowed them to do that or the environment or that they operate in that allowed them to do that? Those are all questions that you want to ask when you're trying to investigate a company. Uh, we always have to think of ourselves. I like to think of myself as Sherlock Holmes. I'm not near as smart as him, of course, but I do like to try to think of myself as an investigator and investigators ask lots of questions. And when I'm reading through reports or looking at data like I am with QuickFS, one of the things that I'm always trying to do is ask questions. And by using a, a resource like that, it allows you to get better data and better ideas so that when you stu- do start really kind of digging into a company, whichever it may be, then it gives you a, other than having your eyes move over the data or move over the words, it gives you a reason for searching for things. And a lot of times when you're searching for things, you tend to retain that information better. At least I've noticed it for myself. And so it it's because you're making connections. Sometimes when you're just reading a balance sheet to read a balance sheet, it doesn't really stick. But when you're looking at the balance sheet because you're trying to determine why are their liabilities so much higher than their assets and what's really going on here, then when you start really digging into it, then it starts to make sense and it sticks with you. And so those are some things that I've learned from trial and error and just my natural curiosity. It's just kind of the way I'm wired that really helped me try to dig into a company when I'm looking at it. And so, again, these are all things that these are tools that you can use to help you become a better investor. And anything that's going to give you a bigger snapshot like a quick FS is something that you definitely, I would definitely recommend taking advantage of when you can. FinViz, like Andrew said, is great. It's, it's, it's a nice, easy tool to use for screening, especially if you're trying to narrow down uh, particular industries or sectors then it's a great tool to kind of give you some ideas to kind of to marching orders, if you will. But QuickFS is a, is a, a better way to go even deeper, I think. Yeah, those you really hit the nail on the head on that, especially looking at the numbers and trying to figure out why it's doing something. And it, if you start looking at it in that way where it's like what what's out of place where's waldo what why why did something jump and then you start investigating then like you said that's when you start to really understand deeper what's going on with the company 
Are you really old enough to know who Waldo is? <laughs> I, I had to reach into the, 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 the deepest depths of my memories. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a very good one. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, with our Where's Waldo, we're going to go ahead and wrap that up for this evening. Uh, I wanted to thank everybody for sending those great questions to us and keep them coming, guys. This is a lot of fun. And hopefully you guys are getting some great information out of all this. So again, I hope you are enjoying the new year and thank God it's 2021. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.